Good afternoon. And welcome, everybody, as I'm turning these nozzles here to make sure that you can hear me correctly and hear my guests. Welcome to the council, everybody. It's so good to be with you again on this beautiful Friday here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, so many wonderful things are going on in the world. Uh, the Olympics, my gosh, I don't know if you've been watching the Olympics. I have, I have been. been. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. been incredible to watch it. I just Sorry. absolutely love the Olympics. I, know. <laughs> I, mean, to I, see know. I love the Olympics. <laughs> to see those athletes and to, see, and to feel their success, you know, to, and to see that excellence that happens for people is I just know. incredible. And, and, and I cheer for the people, even if they came in supposedly last they're at the olympics yeah, right? they're, they're competing at a, on an extraordinary level now and they're come there at the olympics it's still amazing yeah i'm gonna do one of those things that i just you know watching the the divers and how they're able to go in i mean how many hours it takes to do something like right. that over and over right. again to, and to then learn. skateboarding is one of the new events yeah which is just wild to watch that yeah, yeah. I tried that when I was a kid, the skateboarding. I didn't want, nothing close <laughs> no. to what those guys are doing no. right now. Um, but anyway, folks, we're just uh, we're going to be talking about the soul's craving today. Uh, but before we do, I just want to do a quick shout out here to KUHS Radio TV Denver, the stream. Uh, we are broadcasting live here in North Glen, Colorado, all across this nation and all around the world. Uh, being listened to by so many different countries from people from so many amazing places. And we thank you for tuning in every other week here to the council and from wherever you are. We really appreciate you tuning in and uh, we hope to keep giving you the best shows we possibly can. So tune in here to KUHS Radio TV Denver. We've got some amazing hosts like my guest right here who's got an amazing show. It's the Dr. Elisa show. It's yes. on, when is it on? It's um, every other Thursday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Wow, so it's, it's another every, every other Great Thursday. Show. It is a fantastic show. I've watched several of them, and you have some amazing guests that come on. I, amazing people who, who are willing to take the time and come on, and we just have incredible conversations. And it's always about uh, different topics, right? Do you my, have a certain focus so that you work? My focus is I want to inspire a renaissance of spirit uh, people. And yes. so I bring on people who've inspired me in some way. Yeah. And I've had poets and business people and psychologists and authors. I mean, it's just been amazing. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, and I'm so excited. We're going to get into some really great stuff here. Uh, folks, I have a uh, retreat that I am doing. It's called the Warrior's Heart Retreat. Uh, it is uh, going to be in Sunrise Ranch in Loveland, Colorado here. It's going to be a beautiful location. And uh, it is for anybody who's experienced any kind of trauma or needs some healing from your heart. There's a lot of wounds that are being you know, absorbed by the heart right now. Uh, whether it's because of the isolation and alienation that people feel because of uh, the trauma of the pandemic, which is very real. Very real. Um, a lot of the doctors and nurses that are dealing with a lot of the patients, they're experiencing it. Uh, it's for veterans who are trying to deal with these hidden wounds that they are harboring inside to be able to release that in a sacred container in a, in a process that works, it works, it works. Any or any trauma survivor in any way where you need a community, we heal in community. And so we're, we're inaugurating this. We want to get it built up. There is still time to be able to book. Uh, we have a limited number of 20 people. That's a word. But we want to get as many people as we can and to really get this grounded in. So if you have, you know, a, 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 something that you need to let go of, a rock in your rucksack that you need to let go of, this is the retreat to come to. Go to my website at coresoulhealing.com. That's coresoulhealing.com. Look up Warrior's Heart Retreat. Sign up. Register right away. And, um, you know, the sooner you register, the sooner we can get everybody to all the information they need so that they can prepare themselves for this amazing retreat. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Elisa, I just had um, an incredible retreat that I was – had the privilege and honor to co-lead um, for some veterans up in Montana. And the transformations that these, it was all, it was all men this time. Mm -hmm. Transformations that these men have was, had was incredible in these five days. Wow. Incredible. And so the technique you're using is, is partly um, trusting community yeah. to be able to share 
right, and to unburden. And, yes. And then you have a technique for that, right, that is a little unusual, I think, for based because so many people do that, right, like come into the group and talk, but that's not what you do. No, this is the process that is established is something that has been done since from ancient times. Mm -hmm. It's a way that uh, the, the ancient uh, Israelites did it, and the way the ancient early Christians did it, and the way the, the Hindus, the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. It's a combination and process that is universal. It's not mine, mm -hmm. but is a process that has been identified and established and recognized as a way to be able to heal and move yeah. through these wounds holistically. So I'm not sharing anything that's new. It is just... Un, un, uncovering of what has already been there right. and that works it I, works I have to say I have a feeling the reason it works and we've had this conversation sometimes um, as humans we want like a bumper sticker cure mm -hmm. I do this one thing and it works mm -hmm. and you don't do that this is a you this is a big process and it's in community with support mm -hmm. in nature with that element so it's a very um, multifaceted element, right? It is, it is a multifaceted process that helps the people to connect not only to their individual, but mm -hmm. to share it within a, in a, in a context and being able to mm -hmm. do rituals connected to that, right. to be able to um, share their own personal experiences with people who are also going through those experiences. And mm -hmm. with when it's done with the intentionality of cleansing, of purifying, of mm -hmm. catharsis, of releasing mm -hmm. it, um, and you have the witnesses that are there to be able to carry the burden with you, right. and it is not trying to alienate anybody. You bring in whatever your traditions are mm -hmm. so that it's not just something that, you know, only, you know, new age people do or whatever it may be it is something that is embraceive of all traditions and all faiths and we do it together because our common element mm -hmm. is the need to heal our soul the soul has no religion as you know absolutely the soul has, has no, religion. no religion it has no religion no absolutely no and we see this process you're talking about as sort of a shamanic process that we can track in every um every nationality back through history back through time definitely the use of rituals mm -hmm. but even though sometimes we think shamanism means native american mm -hmm. and it does not it's a it's a um the word actually refers to sort of ex coming through fire mm -hmm. and we see it in every single culture mm -hmm. everywhere mm -hmm. well and, and that's what the cleansing of fire and the cleansing of water that you can right. find that in the bible Yes, it's absolutely. right there. That's what absolutely. Moses wanted. That's what Joshua right. did for all of them That's to right. cleanse that. They, they, they had, they, after right. if you went to war, for example, mm -hmm. if you went, they, um, they would have to cleanse themselves in the, in the rivers. In, in the Jordan River, they would absolutely. have to wash themselves. Mm -hmm. They would have to clean their armor with a fire and they'd walk. Mm -hmm. And before they could go back to their tribes. Mm -hmm. And I have to add that think about how it was earth, air, fire, water. Mm -hmm. You leave the encampment and go to another place on earth, right? You're with the earth. You definitely have to have flowing water. Mm -hmm. There's the water. You you cleanse things with with fire, and you pray. You speak. You, mm -hmm. you talk about, right? And there's air. Mm -hmm. And you just need all of those in any, any ritual for that transformation. Uh, absolutely. And so, you know, it's... Uh, and, and to continue, I think it's really... Critical that when you're looking at the processes that help the soul, mm -hmm. what you do is so incredible because it helps people to understand their soul's path, their right. journey, their unique blueprint, right. which I think is phenomenal because it's been encoded into us from very early on, right? right. Yeah. Um, and in fact, so the... The work I do, I use something called evolutionary astrology, mm -hmm. and it is based on the thought that um, our soul came here for a reason, that we have karmic, unresolved karma, which does not mean we were a bad person and should be punished. It's not that at all. Mm -hmm. But we have unresolved karma, and we come here to sort of leave that old 
experience and process behind mm -hmm. and move forward into what our soul truly craves, mm. which is a healing journey, which is a growth and development journey, whichever way you want to look at that. Mm -hmm. And that it, it reframes astrology. Mm. So it's not predictive. It's not telling you what to do or how to do anything. It is saying, here's what your soul came here to do. I think that's so – I mean, when we, we did it, we're going to get into my chart here a little bit and we'll, we'll look at and see what my soul's pattern, what my soul's blueprint was based upon my birth chart. And it's, and it's fantastic. So um, – but before we get there, it, and I think it's – you know, when we're talking about uh, our journey and our path, mm -hmm. um, it can be a healing journey and it can be a journey towards growth and development. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It's, you know, we're multitudinous beings, dimensional beings. Yes. So we're working in a lot of different areas, right? At any one time. At any one time. Absolutely. So can it be we come here for a healing journey in order to heal something so that then we can move into a growth and development to expand our souls as well? You know, I think whatever verbiage works for someone mm -hmm. is, is what works. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the soul has always... This, definitely the soul has to heal wounded elements, but I think the healing itself is growth and development. Mm, mm. And I don't know, I, you know I, don't, I don't talk to a grand deity. I don't know what the end result is, where our soul is supposed to go. Yeah. I have my beliefs, but I, I don't impose those on anyone I'm talking to. But I do believe that we're here for a purpose mm -hmm. and that it's not sort of like a, a one shot, mm -hmm. right? Show up. Be a nice person. See how that goes. I, I, I don't believe that. Right. I just think there's more depth and more potential to human beings. Yeah, I think so too. You know, it's uh, yeah. we we think we uh, you know we we come here and we have an interest. And where do those interests come from? You know, I always mm -hmm. find that like I have an interest in uh, classical music. None of my fa other family members have an interest in classical mm -hmm. music. Where does that come from? Why? How did right. that happen? Right. You know, and why am I so you know captivated by these things? Right. And I believe, you know, from my, you know, studies and experience and, and the things that I have read over the time, and mm -hmm. I've read a lot of books, um, that I think we carry these messages, these experiences mm -hmm. with us from, from previous lifetimes. I think we carry sort of an emotional attachment yeah. to things. Yeah. So we not, may not remember the exact thing that happened, mm -hmm. but the storyline, the emotion of the storyline we carry. And if you've ever visited somebody who's had a child, right, they've had a baby, and you pick up this newborn, there is somebody in there, <laughs> yeah, right? There's somebody there. Yeah. How did yeah. that somebody already get there? Yeah. They're like, you know, a day old, <laughs> yeah, right? True. So that we don't come here as blank slates. Mm -hmm. We come here with um, with some kind of encoding. Now, some people will say, oh, it's epigenetics. It's just your, it's your DNA. It's your, it can be, and yes, it can be. And there's no reason it also can't be mm -hmm. a past life. Well, I, you know, they talked about, ancient Greeks talked about it, Socrates talked about it, mm -hmm. Plato about the transmigration of the souls. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was very much a part of our Western tradition and culture that there was right. a, a huge belief that we would keep coming in and recycling to learn different mm -hmm. things, to grow, to expand our knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't just an, an Eastern idea. It was very right. Western for, for centuries, for millennia. So this is not something new. And I believe in the, the eternal nature of the soul. So do I. Yeah. So, so do I. And what's interesting is I will have, so I'm Jewish, and I'll have mm -hmm. people say to me, well, that's like Buddhism. I'm like, no, no, actually... There is the notion of Gilgul, of the return of um, reincarnation within Judaism. Mm -hmm. In that case, you may come to complete something for you, but often you come because the community needs you. Mm -hmm. There's something that your soul has to give to others, mm -hmm. and you might come back two or three times to complete that. Wow. So wow, it's a different point that. of view, yeah. but it's still reincarnation. So how did you start? What, did, what drove you to, dis, to, to go after and understand our soul's craving? What is our soul's craving? I don't know if I have an exact answer. I'll t let me just sort of do a little bit. I was one of those very weird kids that was, I don't even know, I don't remember getting my first tarot deck. I just remember having one. Right. And crystal balls, and my bedroom was haunted. And so I was living in this sort of esoteric 
inner wave that right or a tidal pool perhaps mm -hmm. and as I went through life I, I, I went to college I got a, a couple degrees in geology I went back and I picked up psychology but tarot astrology crystal balls all of that was with me and in fact I put myself through my PhD as a professional astrologer Oh, wow. So wow. they were always, it was yeah. always still there. But there was something um, missing in astrology. I couldn't, I couldn't grasp. I knew it was more than prediction. Mm -hmm. You know, Tuesday will be a bad day. Like, what, <laughs> that doesn't have any value. No, right? it doesn't, no. And then I discovered this um, through the astrologer I work with, evolutionary astrology, and started listening to some of the experts in that. Mm -hmm. and, it, and then read my own chart using their techniques and my mind just expanded in understanding my history, my culture, my, my, my early childhood. Like, oh my gosh, the people I'd been with, why and where, it was an amazing experience. I don't know if I'd call it enlightening, but it, in many ways it was. Mm -hmm, Maybe mm -hmm. not in terms of meeting a divine being enlightenment, but in meeting myself. Oh, wow. Now, you talked just so you said uh, evolutionary astrology. It's called evolutionary astrology. What is that? What is evolutionary astrology? Because I'm sure people heard that and they're like, well, you know, right. what is that right there? Could so you... it's, it's based on the concept that you have unresolved karma. Ah, okay. So and let, me, let me continue and I'll come back to that one. And that your soul comes here to resolve that karmic experience. And what the karmic experience was is in your chart and the cure. The, like how to how to do this is in your chart yeah and they're called uh, we look at the nodes of the moon and we know that biblically um, Kabbalistic astrologers were looking at the nodes of the moon mm. so we know it, it's pretty old we, we can go back at least 2,000 years probably 3,000 and in fact astrology overall probably 5,000 wow 5,000 so, years old right because we, we see it in Egypt yeah we see it in China and Japan we see it everywhere um, the notion of resolving karma in the Western mind, it says something like, I stole a horse in a past life, somebody will steal my car. And that's not this notion of karma. <laughs> no, okay? So let's say you did everything right in a past life, okay. right? You you adopted fifteen children, you took care of them, you made sure every everyone was fed, but you forgot to have a life. Mm. You were so busy taking care of everyone and you look like a saint, but you you didn't have a life, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Unresolved karma, oh, wow. right? Oh, I have yeah. this image of um, Pompeii, and there's some person, we, they, they've uncovered like a bar, they think, of yeah. Pompeii. So there you are, you're serving drinks. You know, you got plans for the future. Vesuvius, you're gone. Unresolved karma. Your life didn't complete. Oh, wow. I've read for a lot of people where you can see in their chart that they lived through something very dangerous, mm -hmm. right? I think we've talked about yeah. that, right? Yep. And that they were a warrior or they were a victim or they were both. Mm -hmm. And they come here to find peace. Mm -hmm. And maybe they, you were a perpetrator. I mean, there is that, that we mm -hmm. know people. They don't come here to be destroyed but they do come here to have a life experience that heals and resolves that experience. Wow. Right? So that's the, that's the philosophical yeah. underpinnings of evolutionary astrology. And it, you were just talking about uh, the history of astrology a little bit, <clears throat> and it w originated 5,000 years ago? Is it? When I go back, I, you can find traces of yeah. it almost everywhere. You can find paintings. Um, in the caves of the of the planets that they could see of the stars, we definitely know it was used in Egypt. Mm -hmm. We know it was used in South America, which is earlier. We know that it was used in China and India and Japan over and over and over again. And it is the foundation from which astronomy grew. Mm -hmm. So it was the first science of the stars. Oh, that's amazing. Right? Yeah. And we know we see it biblically. Yeah. And so if we're seeing it in Torah, we know we're going back more than 2,000 years for it to first show up. So, yeah. What an amazing lineage, you know. Right, yeah. And, and how, what's, when you, the, the, the Kabbalah, let's talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that because you've been able to fuse the two of them well, together, right? So, so well, I'm not t what you would call a Kabbalist, but I'm a student of Kabbalah. Got it. Okay. okay. Um, 
my Hebrew's not good enough to delve into so much of what Kabbalah is. However, the Kabbalists fused it together, uh. and the Kabbalists use the nodes of the moon. So here, like here's, it's just so fascinating. The this is a Jewish perspective, but I think it's in every religion. We just don't know it. The notion is that before you're born, you your soul knows what it's supposed to do. Mm. It's going to come down here. It's going to have a human experience, and it wants to resolve or heal or grow or expand, whatever language you like. Mm -hmm. And we get here, and we forget. Mm -hmm. So in the Jewish no notion, we are given reminders, guides. Right? One is in your name, and there's a whole way of looking at a Hebrew name and what to do with that. One is in what was the Parsha, or the portion of Torah that was being read on the day you were born. Mm. And then there's astrology. Wow. Right? And so, again, it's not predictive. It's a guide. That's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just amazing how that uh, all these things, you know, kind of fuse together to be able to help mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. uh, navigate or at least give us an idea of what our our trajectory of our life could right. or potentially be right. and uh, and but we have to learn how to use it or we have to be able mm -hmm. to to be with somebody who knows how to use it correct I you know yes and uh -huh. maybe we have to just listen better uh, yeah. right my hunch is that you had many people or experiences or books you've read mm -hmm. where you suddenly went oh my gosh this makes sense I think I think this speaks it speaks to me mm -hmm. and then you got up and went on with your day right there's always laundry and dishes and cooking and yeah. whatever I think that it's hard for us to listen and absorb mm -hmm. messages because we're so distracted and especially nowadays mm -hmm. by life I agree. Yeah. right which is why when we're in nature everything shifts, yeah. right? I know if I can get to a beach and walk on the beach, everything will be clear yeah. because I, I don't have my cell phone. I'm not checking email. I'm not, right? I'm just present. Yeah. So I think that sometimes talking to another person who has expertise in an area helps. Perhaps sometimes it's just a still small voice within us yeah. and we, we could pay attention. Yeah, sometimes we don't listen to that still small voice and it's been right. drowned out because it doesn't, yell at us it doesn't yell, you know charlie wake up it doesn't say that it no. just charlie no. why don't you do this instead or yeah, why don't you, you know try that? or you know maybe don't do that you know? have you noticed that, that your like solar plexus is clenching up when you think about doing that maybe yeah. you should pay attention to maybe that. you should pay attention to yeah. that you know it's a yeah. quiet not it doesn't really come in loud no for no. me it hasn't so and i think the other thing is that we expect it to look a certain way yeah right so um one of my jokes is I've uh, worked with people. I, d I don't do this work, but I've worked with people on um, power animals. What's your power animal? And you've got to find them. And everybody wants an eagle or a whale or a dolphin or a cougar. Or, right? And then they find out they've got a bat. Like, I don't want a bat. Right? Or you know, a snake, a rattlesnake, or a bunny. And they're like, that can't be right. Mm. Like, do you want to accept the messages and the, and the great gifts of that? Or do you want to go in with ego and undermine the true message? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the humbling aspects of uh, any soul's journey. Absolutely. Is our, you know, our deepest craving and I think our deepest longing is the, uh, the fullest realization and actualization that's possible. Mm -hmm. And at the same mm -hmm. time, being completely connected to everything that's around us. Right. It's the crystallization of our life force. Yes. Yes. The, the gold drop in the liquid ocean around us. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that. I think that's what we want, and, but we and don't wanting know how to, to articulate it. To um, experience that, to be present with it, to actually have the emotional, mm, to, to withdraw from ego and to sink into emotional presence, mm -hmm. to truly experience it. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's just so difficult. Oh, well, and, and, and we live in a world that keeps us divided in that way. Absolutely. Separated from ourselves, not grounded right. in our bodies. Right. And not connected to the things that are around us. You know right. what I, I found, uh, Elisa, was one of the things that um, what I was so troubled on when I was a younger man was this idea that we were given consciousness. 
mm-hmm. this beautiful gift of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, and why would all of a sudden it just disappear when we would die? Why would Absolutely. it go away? Absolutely. What a cruel joke it would be by right. the universe That's right. to give us this gift of consciousness where we could t- only to take it away. And in a moment, it disappears, gone. It's this right. existential void. Right. I and can you, never quite accept that. And you've got this one try to do it right, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to live it. And, yeah. and, and what that produces, I think, is a philosophy of blame. Well, mm-hmm. I'm doing well. Because, whatever, I made these choices, or I'm born into this group, or I'm, right? And that person isn't doing well because they deserve to not do well. And there's this, um, definitely there's this other Jewish notion, the, um, I'm going to say it wrong, the Lamed Vavid. No, I did say it right, the Lamed Vavid. That there are 36 souls on the planet, 36 they keep the entire oh, yeah. world going, right? Yes, yeah. They don't know who they are. Yeah. If you think you're a Lamed Vavid, I'm sorry. You're, you're not. not. <laughs> you're not. If you look like you must be a Lamed Vavid, look how impressive you are, you're probably not. Right. And yet it is something about those souls' intimate journey through life that keeps all of life going. Mm. Sort of an amazing notion that it is what keeps us going is involved in the search, the exploration, the growth, the existential mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's uh, it, out of that notion, it's uh, of the 36. It, you know, I think uh, I was told by a, a priest one time, and I thought it was so wise what he said. And we were sitting at a dinner table, and uh, he says, you know, uh, he says, in all my journeys, uh, and we were just talking about religion and faith and different things, mm-hmm. he says, I think... Uh, in all my journeys, he says, uh, the holiest people don't know that they're holy. Right. Yeah. And I think that is so that is true. That is so true. That is so true. You know, because the ones who are the, the holiest, well, they, that's spiritual ego. Mm-hmm. That is me thinking I'm better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Look how perfect I am. Mm-hmm. You'll never, ever match up to that. But the, the ones who are probably the holiest are the, the humble people, not that's even right. just doing their life and work and uh, helping the people around them and, mm-hmm. and serving each other in ways that are, are just benign and without right. fanfare right. and without needing an, any kind of attention. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's an interesting thing, but ego gets so in the way in humans. Yes. And the spiritual in ego is just, <laughs> just as dangerous sometimes. I know. I want to prove I'm more spiritually evolved. Like, okay, that's not going to work. I just, <laughs> we go back to the beginning <laughs> yeah. and try that one again, right? That's right. <laughs> so let's get back. Anyway, we, uh, we've okay. got to go and sidetrack. But I, um, so let's get into uh, to a chart uh, and how okay. you break down a chart. I know you, we've, got, we've got my chart. We're going to work. And it's, we've also uh, got my chart and, we've and got, lots of ways of looking at charts. Um, yeah. So... I don't know how to cast a chart in India or China or Japan or just keep listing the places, all right? So there's so many ways to run a chart, to read a chart. There's mm-hmm. dozens, maybe hundreds. What I know is this, mm-hmm. okay? So Western astrology, when you cast a chart, you're looking at a picture of where the planets were and some of the asteroids when you were born. Mm-hmm. Also, what was coming up on the horizon, and it's called your rising, mm-hmm. when you were born. How do they know this stuff? I mean, how do you, can you go back to, like, know exactly? I'm sorry, but it was just like this idea of being able to know where the planets were and where that. People I, were really smart. Yeah. I mean, we, we're like, oh, no, they couldn't have known yeah. things. I'm like, just imagine this. Imagine growing up somewhere where there's no artificial light. And yeah, you've been in Montana, yeah. right? Yeah, a night in Montana. Montana. Okay. Yeah. And suddenly it's all there. And it's yeah. right. Yeah. It, it's breathtaking and humbling. Right? Um, so now imagine living there and being somebody who wanted to know what that meant mm. and mapped it and tracked it. So the there were closer planets that were easier to see. It's interesting that it is said that Sometimes we can't see planets, certain planets like the planet Uranus, which was first discovered in around 1776, 1779, um, which is the planet of, of how to be a rebel and revolution. And, and, uh-huh. and so those dates should sound familiar. It's very right? familiar and very familiar right? indeed. And the, the truth is 
that that planet could be seen with the naked eye in a night sky. But we didn't see it until we invented a telescope and somebody saw it. And so many astrologers say humans couldn't see it yet. We weren't ready for that planet. Wow. Right? So it's a philosophy. This, this was an early science that linked philosophy with what they saw in the sky, mathematics, big part of it, with a need for existential knowing. Mm -hmm. I do believe that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. What does all this mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. I think it's so, in so mm -hmm. intriguing. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't no, mean to interrupt, fine. but that was, I was just thought it was so interesting to know when people, how did they map this stuff right. out? You know, how did years and years and yeah. years of, that's what I do every night, look at the sky, right? Yeah. And then generation after generation led up to that. Yeah. Well, wow. all right, so let's uh, so, get back into the, So a the chart, chart is divided into 12, um, so it's a circle, mm -hmm. cut up kind of like a pie, and each of those little pie cuts is called a house, and there's 12 of those. And we basically map where, the computer does it for me, where all the planets were when you were born. Mm. And then you find out what house each planet was in by anchoring the, those 12 with your rising, mm. your ascendant, which is what was the constellation coming up on the horizon when you were born. Okay? And then it's like um, a tapestry. So, you know, you read something that says, oh, you're... You know, I'm an Aquarius, and I'm going to read this, and this is what your day is going to be like. It's hardly ever going to hit mm. because there's all these planets and in each of these different signs, in these different houses, and they have relationships to each other. That's a tapestry, mm. right? So, and that's what makes astrology powerful mm. is the tapestry of it, the story of it. And then our chart never changes, but the planets keep moving. Yeah, <laughs> they, right? just they just keep to. moving. Yeah, they're not and the way they are they're here. They're not there. No. And they form an angle. So, yeah. for example, I think I told you this. In 2020, three big planets were what we call conjunct, which mm -hmm. is hanging out next to each other, not you know physically in the sky, but astrologically. Pluto, Saturn, and um, Jupiter. Mm. Jupiter is the planet. Let's do it the other way around. Saturn is the planet of conservation which is a lovely thing, right? Conservation is a very good thing. But it's also the planet that says, let's conserve everything. Mm -hmm. There are traditions we should conserve. There are traditional values that maybe we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's Saturn. It was hanging out with Pluto. Pluto is the planet of creative destruction. Oh, boy. <laughs> right? So you have this wow. planet yeah. that says, take it all apart and then put it back together in a way that functions better, hanging out with the planet that says, don't you dare take it apart. Uh, I like the way it is. They're hanging out together in the sky. And joining them is Jupiter. And Jupiter is like this happy planet that makes everything bigger. Whatever it's next to, it expands. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> right? um, there's wow. another planet that, did the, that we can look at and say, and there was a virus at the same time. But Right? That, I mean, that's the kind of energy of the planets. Wow. Right? So if we then look at where that was in people's chart, where is Pluto in, in the sky? What aspect is it making to the planets in your chart? Mm -hmm. What is Saturn doing? And we know there's certain ages. So when you're 27-ish, you know, we say like every 30 years, it takes roughly 30 years for Saturn to go around the sun. Mm -hmm. So every 30 years-ish, you have what we call a Saturn return. Saturn shows back up in the sky in the exact spot it was when you were born. Mm, wow. And okay. we can predict what happens in, in that time period. It, you know, this huge questioning period. Am I doing the right thing? Is my life right? You so know. this is about 28, 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember right? that being a very and then it repeats. questioning period of my life. Then yeah. it repeats. You yeah. do it again. Like yeah. almost 60. You oh, good. I got this. Right? <laughs> but by then, you've yeah. made big choices and often... It, it feels good, right? right? right. There's um, another aspect of the planet um, Uranus and what it does to your chart and that hits about 40-ish, mm -hmm. and you have a midlife crisis. Uh, yeah. You can see that in people's <laughs> charts. So there are patterns that hit everybody, and then there's unique things, mm -hmm. depending on the 
individuality of that chart. So no chart is the same. Every chart is going to be slightly different. Well, if different you're twins, but even then, I guess if you're four or five seconds off, your rising could be a little different. Uh, but right, and, and clearly around the world, there are people being born at the exact same time. Actually, I have a funny story. I met somebody arbitrarily, just sort of um, through I don't know one of the social media things, and we started talking, and I found out that he had my exact chart. Wow. I know exact. Like when were you wow. born? Like. Oh my God. And I found him highly annoying. And I <laughs> called my astrologer and said, Am wow. I just highly annoying? And he said, You just learned the lesson of it's how you play out your chart. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you have choice. You always have free choice. This doesn't dictate who you're going to be, it's the map you left yourself to find the right direction to go. Oh my gosh. Wow, that is like so. You can have a chart. Like I, you know, I've got. I'm looking at my chart Here's here, your chart. and I'll show everybody. Kind of, it, it's it looks like this, and it's got lots of lines and everything going on, and and it's very convoluted and twisted. And but there's some organization to it and structure Absolutely. it as well. It seems, Absolutely. And it seems very uh, dynamic, and mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And so. Um, and a lot of these symbols that are connected to it identified this was my blueprint. That's right. This is my blueprint when I arrived on this planet August 14th, 1973. Right. This was imagine your soul making a choice. When do I want to be born? Uh, I was delayed. I think it was I think I was late two weeks. I think I it was, was late. late two weeks. Yeah. Right. My brother was early. No, excuse me. He was late two weeks. I was early two weeks. Um, I was in a rush to get here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then people have said, what about C-sections? Like, I don't know if the soul is making that decision before they get here. Yeah. But that's your chart. That's what you go with. And so this is the map. So then you're, you're given this blueprint, and it's by your choices. It's by your choices. That will determine whether or not you fulfill this, complete this part of the journey. or Whether, whether you, you, you make the choices that help your soul grow in... The, the sort of the, the most, I'm not sure how to articulate it, but if you're given a choice yeah. of how do I become this person that I actually could be, yeah. there are choices that lead to that every day of our life. Yeah. And are, can this chart help you make those choices? Well, Again, it doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't say be a plumber, be a doctor. Yeah. It says how to approach life. Mm-hmm what to do in certain situations in terms of perception. What are you, what is your soul, what unresolved karma do you have? Where does your soul kind of hurt? Mm -hmm. And how do you let that soul grow by changing that? So where is my soul, where is the, that part in me on my chart? So we talked about that the north node and the south, the south node is the wound or the unresolved karma. And it's in cancer and any astrologers out there Right? It's in Cancer at 23 degrees. Am I reading that right? Yes. Oh, no, sorry. It's at, at one degree. I'm going to make this up. <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong thing. Okay, try again. Astrologers, his south node is in Cancer at six degrees in his third house. I have to look at it right side up to get this. Which means your north node, your craving, yeah. is in Capricorn in your ninth house. So Capricorn okay. to ninth house is my, that's craving. my craving. That's your craving. That's where your soul is trying to pull you. That's where my soul and wants to pull Everything that happens in astrology yeah. is trying to drive you to that. Wow. Okay? So what's the south node? The south node is a gift we have uh -huh. that we'll never lose. So even when we go to the north node, right? So imagine this, that, that you know that old thing, if you only have a hammer, everything's a nail? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the south node. The north node, you turn on the lights in the garage, and there's a saw and a screwdriver, right, and a level, and like, whoa, look at all this other stuff. Yeah. I still have the hammer. So I can still use the hammer, but now I have all this other stuff also. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. South node in Cancer, um, the gift is that open heart, is uh. that ability to just have your heart open and anywhere, anybody, take care of, feel like you have to be the rescuer. <laughs> the, the, the fixer, the, the healer, yeah. right? Yeah. 
It's in the third house, which is the house of communication. Oh, wow. So how do you articulate that? How do you express that? If you look at your life, you probably wrote about it, talk about it. You do. I do. Right? And that's actually a strength, a way to use it as a strength. Mm -hmm. Except if all you do is focus on the wounds of others, right? Yeah. Your own soul is saying, well, what about me? Yeah. What about me? This is a good thing to do, but what about me? Hmm. And so we could talk about a past life in which that was done to the extent that you felt like overwhelmed by the, by, like you couldn't stop doing it mm -hmm. because the tribe or culture or community you were in would not allow it. Hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. you could only approach things from this sort of heartfelt, intuitive, empathic, take care of place. Yeah. Which sounds lovely. Yeah. Right? Except you're not in that story. You're just the, the keeper of, the taker, the one taking care of. Yeah. North Node is um, Capricorns have a lovely form of ambition. And I say it that way because as soon as we say ambition, people go, oh, they're, that's terrible. Right. But they have a <laughs> lovely form of ambition. Capricorns yeah. like to build things. And at the end of the day, they can say, look, I built that. Isn't that cool? Like, I, I accomplished. I built foundations. I, there, I, and I did it. I get to take credit for it. Mm -hmm. This is about me. And I, I, I've built foundations that are strong and can hold people. Mm -hmm. Think about uh, like a carpenter building a house. So your north node is in your ninth house, which is philosophy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it can be religion. And in fact, it's interesting because um, the third house is sometimes called the house of the heretic because it opposes the ninth house, and the ninth house is the house of religion and philosophy. And, oh, wow. Right? Yeah. And so were you a heretic in a past life and trying to take care of people who were being assumed by the, right, by whatever, the yeah. rules that are out there? Were you the one who re rejected, perhaps, yeah. um, and then punished for that? Okay. You came here this time to build yourself a foundation. Literature, education, learning, religion, but not necessarily rule-bound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay? I can see that. Right? For sure. Um, that that your soul is saying, this is where some of the solution is. Mm. And it's in an earth sign, earth-based. Right? Capricorn is about the planet, about earth. Mm -hmm. So that that soul is driving you there. Now, you never lose the ability to care about people and to be empathetic. But now you you realize you don't have to drown in that. Yeah. That's a water sign. I don't have to drown. <laughs> I can build a boat. Right. Right? Yeah. I can help others from without drowning myself. And, in fact, I can help myself first and then help others because that's what a Capricorn can do. Mm -hmm. They have enough strength to say me first, not narcissism. See, yeah. do, you, do you get that? We always go black and white. So yeah, it, it, right? it feels like, yeah, I mean, we do go black and white and there are shadow elements that you have to be careful of and aware of as absolutely. well too, absolutely. Right? When you're looking at, cause it can lead to narcissism. It could. That, or on the converse side, it could also lead to, um, you know, just being there for everybody at all the time and sacrificing yourself. That's right. And you've got nothing else to give. That's right. And and, and people take everything from you right. and, you're, and you're left. I mean, I, I know these because my north and south node are in the same signs, they're yeah. in different locations. And I had a, um, I did a reading earlier today with a woman, same sign, different location. And she talked about being at the age she is and not being that financially secure yeah. because she kept giving and giving and helping and supporting. And, yeah. right? and there is some point where we say, and in fact, it's interesting because biblically we say, uh, Jewishly, that you need to give, but not to any point where it drives you into poverty. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's that, it's that gray and actually, gray is like an interesting color, right? Because we think about white has all the colors and black has no colors. Then gray is a dance yeah. of, of, of all of that. And maybe it's, it is what we need more of in this country is, and not, let's not think of it as gray. Mm -hmm. Let's think of it as swirling colors of, of how we bring it all together. We bring everything and nothing together. And what do we get then?
Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, and, and it's got me uh, contemplative right now um, in that, you know, it's like, um, you know, um, it's like a, a warrior monk yes. that was in a monastery that has to move out. So yes. it's like uh, the, the warrior monk out of the monastery kind of a thing that I'm well, moving Think about to. that. Think about being. Because I'm attracted. To, I'm drawn to like mysticism of, of all faiths, of all different. Because right. I want to find the that truth house. Yes. Uh, that underlies all religions, all faiths, all traditions. Mm-hmm. All cultures. I mean, uh, there's a mm-hmm. there's a yearning for that, mm-hmm. a craving, right? You know, for me, for that, right? And it seems to be articulate or drawn, or at least uh, the blueprint of that seems to be in my, I guess my my birth chart here. Well, and I could add to that. You have Neptune at four degrees of Sagittarius in the eighth house. The eighth house is all those things you just said, right? The the ninth house is the study of, the learning, the education, literature, philosophy, all of that. Eighth house is mysticism and unknown. I like to joke it's all things Freudian, things Mm -hmm. that we're not supposed to think about but we all think about and (laughs) we can't figure out. Um, And Neptune is the planet. So always think about the the Roman Greek gods and goddesses. Neptune was the god of the the ocean, Mm -hmm. right? What does that represent? It represents addiction, but it also represents mysticism and psychicness and, and the dream world and the dream time, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. All, of, all of that. It is emotion that drives us without conscious awareness. Mm-hmm. Like, boom, we just know this is ours to do, and there we are, we're doing it, mm-hmm. okay? So it drives us in a different way. And it's in Sagittarius, which is the storyteller. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes right? sense. So do you get how then it's like weaving a different story for yourself? Yeah. There's something inside you that says this is here's, – here's, here's the mythic tale that I know I'm part of, mm-hmm. right, the hero's journey. Yeah. And I need to tell the story. Oh, wow. Right? And it is in the telling of the story, which is why we tell them, Joseph Campbell, right? Yeah. It is in that that we 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 find our way, and that we let other know other people know to go find their way and not follow us. So great. <laughs> so being a monk in a monastery would not be my best choice right now. Probably not. Probably not. I would think <laughs> I would think you've done that enough, and let's not repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, any ashrams, any monasteries? It's not for me because that's already been there. Done. You've already been can there. You, done that. Can you regress? Like if you like you if you don't follow that path, can you go backwards? Well, I don't know if you actually go backwards, but yeah. I think what we do, if you will look at your early life. Yeah. It repeats in some way that story we just told about a past life. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we come here and yeah, experience yeah, wow. our south node to hopefully wake up, still small voice, and go, oh, wait, there's another way to do this. Wow. There's my north node. But we're bombarded on achievement and grades and GPA and, and and how much money did you make and did you get a book deal? I mean, we're bombarded with that is what achievement and growth is. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Right? Yeah. And that still small voice is back there whispering. <laughs> I don't think it ever gives up. Yeah. I think there's a part of our soul that never, ever gives yeah, up. Yeah, I agree. And says, you can, you can still make a different choice today. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a lot of trauma in my chart? Did I come in with – because I work with a lot of – obviously with people who are right. uh, tra- traumatized and uh, having experience, whether it's uh, war or uh, abuse or domestic violence right. or that. Um, am I – was that – can you see that in my chart? What I can see in the chart – so the was there a trauma of of war possibly – well, here's what's interesting. So I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Your north node, well, okay. Your south node in Cancer is sitting right next to the planet Saturn, uh, okay, in yeah. your chart. When those two are together, it connotes rigidity, 
in a past life. And Saturn was is the god of don't of don't change on mm-hmm. some level. Um, rules Capricorn also historically ruled Aquarius, which is kind of weird. But it is that planet of there is a way to do this, and you need to do it this way. Mm. Okay? So those are next to each other in that third house. I think you were punished for speaking out. Wow. Okay? So if you can imagine a monk, put it back, put it back. I mean, Inquisition's a lovely time to think about. Yeah. Go back somewhere <laughs> yeah. and say, this doesn't work. But that's heresy. And were you punished for that? And that would be the kind of trauma I could see. Like, so in, in that language, you would have been a soldier of God. Right. Right? Saying the war is wrong. Right. And um, you probably got punished for that. Wow. Right? So we all have some kind of trauma, but that, that is what I see in your chart. Yeah. And then what we look at is south node is in Cancer. Cancer is ruled by the moon. Where's the moon in your chart? It's in that 11th house of community and group. And, it's, and oh, it's in Pisces, which is this really empathetic yeah. sign. Were you just overwhelmed with the grief of the time? Yeah. So not, you know, you try to save people and you can't. That's a whole other kind of trauma. Yeah. Right? And you could see that somebody like that might show up as a soldier somehow in this life mm-hmm. to, to feel like you have to defend. Mm-hmm. And then find a different way to defend. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. so when you look at a chart, it so much is a, it's a tapestry. Yeah. That's fascinating. And you can, right? can you look at um, relationships and money and everything yeah. in, in charts? So, so that one it, of the things I do is I do composite charts. Uh-huh. So your chart and you're involved with this other person and we run your two charts together and yeah. they, a third chart. Right, because there's you, that person, and the relationship has its own energy. Yeah. So we run a chart of the relationship itself, and we look at that. Mm-hmm. We can do that. Money, we can see money. It, money's interesting in your chart because you've got this. Um, money is usually second and eighth house. Mm-hmm. It can be in other places, but usually there. And Neptune is in that eighth house. Um, I mean, this will sound funny, but. Um, I almost want you to dream money into existence in your life. No, oh, wow, okay. Right? Okay. Like, see the retreat, this really wonderful retreat, the Warrior's yeah. Heart Retreat. See it. see it. See it. See the people there. Just dream it. Dream some of the, right, who's going to be there. Just dream it. Dream people into that. Yeah. That power. This isn't positive thinking. This is, this is sort of, I hate to use the word manifesting, but almost seducing life to you. Oh, wow, yeah. And it's eighth house, so seducing so it's money. So it's a little more sensual. It's yes, like, absolutely. Ah, okay, absolutely. instead of being up here, being more I know. embodied. Absolutely. With it. And you that's know? really where we manifest life from, not yeah. our heads, but the rest of us. Well, I did another chart. I think it was a Carolyn Mace. I was doing one of her chart uh, mm-hmm. archetypes in, in my... Twelfth house ended up being uh, in the ended up being the, the hedonist was the archetype the mm-hmm. lover of life mm-hmm. but that was deep underneath my unconscious that right. that was what was driving it right and, and my love of life and so right so, which makes sense well not only that twelfth house is everything you just described yeah what can I not get in touch with I can only see it in reflection. Right, this piece yeah. of me. You have Mars and Taurus. Mars is what motivates us. Taurus is the most sensual sign in oh, the zodiac. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you want I to enjoy a meal, no, they're the most sexual. Got it. Okay. And they're not just sexual, it's passion. Right. 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 But Taurians, you want to enjoy a meal, go out to eat with a Taurus. They love food and they love wine and they yeah. love the taste and they love where the table is. I mean, they're very sensual beings. Yeah. Well, and, and Taurus is in my rising sign, right? Is that? Uh, it's your rising, yeah. So that's why, I mean, that that's makes right. sense. That makes totally sense. makes sense. Oh my gosh. Um, I can't believe we're coming to the end here. I, I know. This is because I know. You'll have to come on my show. Yes, we're going to do this. We'll do more of this because this is fantastic. But, you know, I wanted you to bring uh, just a little bit about the. Uh, what's going on with our country right now? What's going on with the world right now? And just to give some people some 
Um, hope. Hope. Yeah, some context so, so that they don't feel like they're drowning, uh, you know, right. in one of these nodes, in one of these, like, uh, there's a south node that there is a north node. There's for, a north node. There's always a way. Right. I mean, there's a way. That's actually one of my personal favorite sayings, right? There's always a way. Yeah. I just have to find it. So I talked about 2020 and those three planets that were all together. Mm -hmm. They've all moved on. Um, uh, Jupiter went into Aquarius, into Pisces. I think it's now back in Aquarius. Saturn is in Aquarius. We know it's the entering of the Aquarius age, which doesn't mean peace and love and joy, and, but it does mean Light science. <laughs> it does mean science. It does right. mean innovation. It does mean a rebellion against the old ways. It yeah. does mean change. One way or the other, it means change. Pluto, the planet of creative destruction. This is the planet. Some people see Pluto as a wrecking ball mm -hmm. that will take something to ground so you can rebuild. I like to imagine Pluto as a, um, sh an old woman in the forest, and you've asked for enlightenment, and there you are, and it's dark, and it's lightning, and it's thundering, and there's a scary-looking old woman, and she motions to you to come to her, and you're like, no, never mind. Yeah. And she says, you asked for this. Come. You asked for this change. Well, change only comes, we know this from physics, that we go through a period of chaos, and then the ecosystem reorders at a higher level. Yeah. Okay? That's what we're doing. Yeah. So in February of, of uh, next year, the United States will have a Pluto return. Pluto takes roughly 250 years to go around the sun. Wow. So no human gets to do this. What countries but do. What countries do. Yeah. Right? Rome went through it. Egypt went through it. I think it hardly phased Egypt. Rome went through it. It definitely phased Rome. The British Empire went through it and healed their old scars. In the, the second um, Pluto return, they started the slaves, the definitely big slave trade. Mm -hmm. In their third Pluto return, which was Elizabeth R.'s time, let's heal the religions. Let's get out of the slave trade. Let's move on into other ways of being. Let's heal the economics. But it had to fall apart wow. for that to happen. Wow which is what a lot of people were probably, we might see Bitcom, we might see economic changes that way. We're definitely going to see the sort of, um, I hate to say, a rise of a new way of thinking mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. world. Aquarius is both the scientist and the astrologer. Oh, look at that. Right? Yeah. So it's, it is, it yeah. is both. Yes. We're so not I excluding any. It's an integration period. Of and that. it is the sign of humanity, yeah. of, of giving to humanity. So there are big changes coming in this country, and they will feel chaotic. Mm -hmm. but, but you have to, for an ecosystem to reorganize and redesign, mm -hmm. it has to fall apart a bit, be chaotic, and then emerge. When do you think, uh, based upon uh, the start, that we'll be through it? Is it? Is it? Uh, some, you know, some astrologers are saying it's the entire 2020s, and that we're so the really whole decade we're really thinking, going to, but yeah. that by the end, um, Pluto's moving into Aquarius, and um, I don't remember exactly when that is—2025, I think. That when we, when that finally happens, yeah. is when the resolution of, and in fact, 2024. No, it's in 2024. I remember now, November of 2024. Pluto will be in Aquarius. Wow, November of 2024, everybody. Yeah. That's a big, that's, that's an election, a, too. That's an election. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Right. right. Wow, wow, wow. And so a lot of astrologers, like, if you think the old way is going to survive, I'm sorry, move into, move into hope because that's where we're going. Move into hope. I love it. How can people get in touch, touch with you, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, they you're can find, I'm yeah. here. You can find me here yeah, at, at the show, of course. Denver, the stream. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook, Elisa Robin. You can go to my website, elisarobin.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm, um, I'm on Medium, and I'm on um, um, something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm on every so – you. Can, but it's always Elisa Robin. Uh, and, uh, folks, I had a reading with her. Obviously went through a chart. It was amazing, and I keep learning more and more as we talk about it. And it was fun. It was, it, was, it was really a lot of fun. So I couldn't uh, hi, more highly recommend her uh, and get and getting your chart done. So go to elisarobin.com, yeah. right, mm -hmm. and uh, or and find out you, it is worth your time. You'll you'll learn so much. I uh, just want to do a quick shout out to KUHS Radio TV Denver. Uh, we are the stream. Thank you, Henry. And everybody who makes all the magic happen in the back, we couldn't do it 
we couldn't do it without you. <laughs> There's just no way. Uh, and we are broadcasting here, not only in Denver, all across the nation, all around the world. We are coming back in two weeks, folks. We've got another great show. Lisa, do you have anything you want to say? I always ask people, you know, do you have a bit of wisdom uh, from your life experience that you would like to share with everybody that could help them at this time? That I just encourage people to walk to walk with whoever they are, right? Walk in their power without fear or apology. It's one of my tags. Oh, my gosh. That's so important. That's so great. Walk in your power, folks, without fear or apology. We're going to be back in two weeks. We've got a fantastic – it's going to be our 100th show here at the council. The 100th show is going to be next. Wow. On oh, August amazing. 20th. It's ama- amazing. I, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Tom Kilgannon is going to be here. He's the president of Freedom Alliance. It's going to be a fantastic show. Um, can't wait um, to see you all again. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. The council is adjourned. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. That was great.